Hello, friends. Welcome to another Get Wrecked episode here on Play Along Podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Jared, and I'm very excited to introduce my guest for this month's episode. It is Keith from the Main Quest Podcast. Keith, how the hell are you doing, man? I'm so happy to have you on the show. Oh, man, it's it feels really great to be here. I feel like this has been a long time coming, and uh, thanks for having me, man. I was really looking forward to this uh, for the past month or so. Hell yeah. I mean, we had you on. The last time we had you on was the Super Mario Brothers movie episode. And (laughs) I remember editing that episode and all of us were just like laughing so hard. Like that was one of my favorite episodes to record because we were just like shitting on this movie and and then like the decisions they were making. And it was such a good time. Yeah, just me and Kai had kind of like a we kind of bonded over our love for that movie. Actually, I mean, we were (laughs) shitting on it. Yes, of course. But Mm -hmm. Uh, Kai and I are a bunch of sickos, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> That's what I'm trying bunch, to say. You guys are you guys are a bunch of monsters. He he came out of that loving it way more than I thought he did. It, it mm-hmm. it's like a spectrum, right? It ends up being so bad, and then it ends up turning around and being good. And I think it was the the practical effects over anything that he was just like. I mean, they fucking went hard. Like they went hard in the set design and everything like that. So they they know what they wanted. They knew what they wanted rather, and they went for it. I have to ask you. What do you yes. think about this live action Zelda movie? Oh, I'm I'm equal parts excited and nervous, right? Like if they were like, oh, I'm gonna do an animated Zelda, I was like, okay, you know, Mario was relatively successful. I watched that, it was fine, right? No depth, very, you know, family-friendly movie. And I was like, that's fine. But live action with Legend of Zelda is going to be interesting. I hope they do it right. I think they I mean it. The guy behind it had has done what like the the Maze Runner movies, and then I think it was the director or producer had done like the 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 Spider Man, the Sony Spider Man movies, which are mm. uh, hit or miss depending on what what you think. But I don't know. I think it has potential, but I'm scared. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's going to make a billion dollars either way. Oh, exactly. Regardless of what the the niche critical Zelda fans pushing up their glasses, it's gonna fuck. It's gonna sell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's um one of those things where I think about it, and you look at how cartoony, yeah, Zelda actually can be. You look at like Wind Waker, or mm-hmm. Minish Cap, or the Link's Awakening remake. They've got like a basis, or uh, they have a base already built. Mm-hmm. To be able to build upon like a cartoony Zelda movie, but they decide to go live action, which is kind of a weird swerve because yeah, I, I, you think I, you would want some sort of, I don't know, continuity with the Mario movie. Right. I mean, they're two different things, I guess. But right, and maybe that's why they're trying to separate th- those two things of like Zelda's life. I mean, and, and Zelda has its like more or gritty, you know, I guess closer to realism side. I mean, obviously it's all still still cartoony, but like things like Twilight Princess, like that where it's like a little more dark and broody, but I'm just I'm curious of the cast. I'm I guarantee Same. Tom Holland's gonna be our, <laughs> our <What>? link boy. <laughs> no way. They gotta find yeah. somebody younger than him. Yeah, younger than him. But I've seen people there's so there's so much art around of like Tom Holland being Link. And I'm oh. like, I mean, I guess I could kind of see it. I don't like love him as an actor, but I guess he's fine, I guess. That man is like thirty five years old. He cannot play a fairy boy. <laughs> I he's mean he looks playing... like a child. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, maybe. I mm, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm I'd be curious of what the what the cat I mean, what I'm more curious about 
is what like narrative direction they go, right? Do they just do like a normal like Ganondorf take over world, kidnap princess kind of situation, or are they going to? I mean, I guarantee the Zelda in this movie is going to have a little more agency because they're not just going to have yeah. a female lead and have nothing happen to it. I mean, even with the Mario movie, Peach was very much more in front of that movie than even any of the games. So I can guarantee Zelda is going to have more agency, but like, what story are they going to go with? Zelda's the most badass in Wind Waker. But I doubt they're going to have some sort of, um, you know, I don't, I don't see any movie. connection to any of the games. I think it's going to be like, no, it's, it's going to be its own thing. The only connections is there will be Link, Zelda and Ganondorf and that's it. And maybe Tingle, hopefully Tingle. Oh my gosh. If, <laughs> even at the end, if like in the credits, like Tingle shows up and he's like dancing around and holding like a sign or something, I'd be <laughs> If Tingle makes the cut, I'll, I'll love that. It'll be like the Yoshi egg at the end of the Mario movie. Except oh, like, you'll, see, up the sequel? you'll <laughs> see a you'll see a balloon slowly float up onto screen. It's a big red balloon. And like just before the camera cuts, you just see like the top of his hat. I like more the idea of Tingle hatching out of an egg at the end of the movie. Like that that oh, makes yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> So here's my other question. Does this dash the hopes of billions of Nintendo fanboys everywhere that there's going to be a Smash Brothers movie? An MCU esque Avengers yeah, I guess, Smash I guess Brothers movie. This this officially, or they're gonna they're gonna pull a Who Framed Roger Rabbit and mix live action and animated, oh, and they'll go yeah. that direction with Smash. Yeah, because yeah, when you look at Smash Brothers, yeah, I guess they are sort of like Ryu kind of looks out of place, but also doesn't at the same time. Yeah, it, the Smash characters are weird, where they're all like you have, like you said, you have Ryu and Cloud, and they all look we and then snake and they all look weird but somehow they all yeah. like merge into this world normally it, it works like somehow just a dude yeah. is it they're gonna pull a who frame uh, i'm i don't know how, how do you feel about the idea of that that movie coming out i mean i'm fine with it i'm i'm pretty yeah. whatever on it i i saw the mario brothers movie and it's like you said it was for all intents purposes it, it was just kind of a shallow experience yeah yeah. But it was for and, kids, so right, it wasn't exactly. really for us per se. I wasn't I wasn't expecting like my mind to be blown or my my way of of life challenged going into the Mario movie. I was like, it's gonna be fun, it's gonna be yeah. silly. That's it. Seth and Rogen's also, Donkey Kong, so I, there's like there can't be that much depth in here. And with how thin the plot for the Mario games are, I mean, yeah, Zelda is just as thin. I mean, how many ways are you gonna tell? Yeah, a, a legendary hero who has to save a princess from yeah. a pig demon. It's going to be the hero's journey. It's going to be boy finds out he's the chosen one, meets princess girl, got to take down the big bad evil. I'm, I guarantee that's mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Like I said, I'm sure it's going to be fine and it's going to make Miyamoto even richer. Yeah, he's gonna be swimming in his in his. Uh, what I wonder if they're like, just like, let's keep going, let's do more Nintendo franchise, let's let's get our F Zero movie going, and it's just like a death race film <laughs> with F Zero characters. How how um how well will you and your audience understand 1990s wrestling? Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Wrestling references. Uh, maybe I my brother was a huge WWE fan, so I grew up with so much WWE in my life. So you know, like the NW. Do you remember the NWO? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. how Hulk Hogan uh, turned into I think it's the heel. Oh, I don't. And he became I don't Hollywood remember. Hogan. 
That's that's hilarious. So he became the bad guy. So that's that's what Miyamoto is. Just Hollywood Miyamoto. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Miyamoto before before the films and after the films. He just becomes evil. Yeah. I'm Starts just going to make a bunch of shitty Nintendo movies and I'll get all the money from them. Here's our first trailer of The Legend of Zelda, brother. <laughs> he, just, he comes out just with Hulk Hogan's voice, <laughs> brother. Oh, man, that would be hilarious. Uh, but Keith, I'm interested in your show. If the people at home don't know about the Main Quest podcast, which they should because it's amazing, let them know a little bit about what you guys do, what you do over there. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so I host the Main Quest podcast. It's essentially a podcast documenting uh, my childhood library of video games that I played. Yep. I scoured the internet. I bugged my brother and <laughs> reached into the deep recesses of my mind to compile a gigantic list of games that I had growing up. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm just replaying them for the podcast, seeing if they hold up today. Uh, but there's also um, a larger aspect on giving the games context for when they were made and when they were developed. Yeah. And, uh, there, you know, there's some audience interaction on there uh, where, you know, I ask people what they thought about the game mm. when they first encountered it, as well as what they think about it now. Mm-hmm. And I try to kind of having to have a revolving door of guests on just in case um well i'll put it this way just to have like a another opinion on it outside of mine (laughs) Uh, because as i'm sure as we get to talk about sonic here you're gonna hear Mm. some of my opinions on there and i've always uh, you know i've covered four sonic games i think so far on the podcast and yeah i only liked one of them (laughs) so yeah i remember listening to your sonic 2 episode and i was like oh poor sonic 2 (laughs) yeah that that one put me in the doghouse a little bit, but yeah, because because Ben loved that game. Me and him did a get wrecked on Sonic games. I recommended him um, Sonic Adventure to battle, and he recommended me Sonic Two. So I played through Sonic Two as well, and he loved that game. So I was like, "Oh, sorry, Ben, <laughs> he did not like Sonic 2. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that one. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a good one for sure. I mean, we'll get into it here a little bit too. But I obviously I grew up with more of the 3D Sonic version, so I have less experience mm-hmm. with the 2D ones, but. Yeah, I mean, Sonic 2 was, it was interesting. It was fun. Mm-hmm. It was okay. Yeah, I mean, my show isn't all bangers. You know, there's some games that I have covered that aren't really popular or very mm. well known. And as I'm playing through this library of games, I am slowly finding out that I just kind of had real shit taste in video <laughs> games growing up. <laughs> You're just like, man, what was I thinking back then? Why the hell did I play this game? There's, I, you know, I share my personal memories uh, from when I actually yeah. had the game uh, growing up. Sorry, I'm real professional, and um, <laughs> some of them I don't remember. And then I'm like, oh yeah, there's probably a reason why I don't remember this it's because it's you've slowly awful. just like pulled it out of your brain, and you're like, this was a shit game. I never want to yeah. think about this again. <laughs> so that's oh, what I do. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm mainly talking about. Uh, pretty old video games yeah do you have if if not one that you've like already covered but do you have an era that you like ha- have the most the fondest nostalgic with whether it's like something uh, an era that you've already covered like snes or something or something that you haven't covered yet uh so i have only covered three 
consoles and I'm almost done with, I'm yeah. currently covering, um, well, it's technically three consoles, but I'm mm. putting it all together because I don't have enough experience with the other two. So right. I'm combining my experience with the Genesis, the 32 X and the Sega CD. Yeah. Which are again, technically different consoles, but mm. also not at the same time. I didn't have a lot of 32 X games and I didn't have a lot of CD games. So I'm just kind of smashing that together. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm nearing the end of that. As far as nostalgia, like, um, the most nostalgia is probably somewhere between the super Nintendo and the PlayStation. The PlayStation is my oh, favorite console of all time. Yeah. So I think once I hit kind of that era, I'll probably have a lot more to say as far as like mm. my personal experiences uh, with the games when I had yeah. originally got them. Cause that was also yeah. when I was venturing out um, and buying stuff with like my own money and stuff. Mm. Uh, Cause prior to that, I would just relied on my older brother uh, for right. the library of games that we had. So yeah. that's when I was just kind of like the games felt like they were my own and I was allowed to make my, own mistakes uh which i will <laughs> soon find out like how bad those games were too but so you'll you'll really learn in the playstation area you're like oh man my taste was uh yeah because like part of i chose this <laughs> yes exactly because part <laughs> part of uh part of the blame is put on my brother for most of my show right, up to this right. point. <laughs> with the inception of the podcast i really just kind of more more or less wanted to document my mm. time through replaying these games and then right as i did the podcast it just started to change into what it is today you know like yeah a full-fledged real retro gaming podcast oh man and hey today it's as of today the the playstation 4 is 10 years old it's officially retro i don't believe that yeah add that I, to the I, list <laughs> not okay I, I should rephrase that it's not that i don't believe it it's that i don't subscribe to that that the PlayStation 4 is retro or that it's 10 years old? Uh, that it's retro. Or both. <laughs> I, I don't believe in the 10-year rule. I, I uh, okay. go by 15. I feel like okay. 15 is a nice halfway point. You know what's funny, though, is that there's some people that are like 30 years or more is retro. And I'm I like, mean, g- games aren't that old. Like, video games aren't that old. No, they're not. They're still actually pretty relatively new. In, right like 30 years that's a that's a long time there's only a couple like franchises that are still around in that 30 plus year range oh yeah yeah think about how many franchises have died nobody talks about bubsy <laughs> nobody uh, talks about bubsy. uh nobody talks about um kill zone oh man i loved kill zone even that's even one great. of the franchises we're talking about today halo i mean that certainly does not have the prestige it used to have you're right you're right halo it's it's the same thing like franchises like that that it, it's it, which makes it even more impressive that like mario and zelda have more have held their prestige if not it further exceeded that in the 30 plus years they've been around which is which is insane i was gonna say it's because nintendo keeps reinventing them but then i look right. at zelda and they didn't reinvent zelda until breath of the wild, wild. really so yeah. <laughs> never mind but yeah, Mario's always kind of been a different thing with each, yeah. pretty much with each game. They they never settle on one idea for, for too long with Mario. But yeah, and you got Pokemon, which is a whole other can of worms. <laughs> T- 
technically Nintendo, but not really. But right, yeah. right. They're they're <laughs> they're they're second party per se. They're right. as close to the first parties you can get without being owned by Nintendo. Right. Yeah. They they just don't want Nintendo to get part part of that check. Well, right. they get a part of the check, but they don't want the whole check. They don't want the whole thing. They don't want the whole yeah. responsibility. Um, but yeah, so so Keith, you play a lot of games for your show, and we played obviously games for this episode. But anything in particular you're playing right now that's standing out? Maybe not for your show. Maybe like your free time. Not really playing anything for my free time. I finished Super Mario Brothers Wonder uh, since we Ooh, were nice. talking about Mario Brothers. But yeah, I did finish that. But it's been a week or two since I played that. So yeah. Uh, that was so really... it's, it's relatively short, right? Like, it's not a super long game. No, not at all. Friend of the show, mm. friend of both of our shows, Eric from Unlockables. Hey, shout out to Eric. I, I think he beat it in like three days or something like that. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> yeah, me and my wife are playing through it, and we've just been jumping in anytime we've had free time, you know, between yeah. work and things like that. So I've been kind of like chipping through it, but like two to three days after its launch, I saw people like beating it or seeing like people beat it like four hours. I was like, oh, wow, it's it's like relatively short. Yeah, man, it's one of those games that I found it was really nice to pick up, play a couple levels yeah, and then put it down and then just pick it back up right where you started. It, very, yeah. it lends very well to the Switch. Yeah, to, to yeah, the form yeah. factor of the switch and everything it, be, it being in hand a handheld and everything so uh yeah I, I had a ton of fun with that i i guess i kind of figured i would I, it met mm. my expectations i really didn't expect it to be anything you know mind-blowing or anything i'm like yeah right 2d mario like you can pretty much expect it to be exactly what it's going to be so and, was um, that there wasn't anything because I haven't finished it, but there wasn't wasn't anything in there that you thought like maybe reinvented the wheel. I mean, obviously you talking about like interviews with the, with the development saying that like a lot of the younger developers are the ones that uh, had a lot of hand in this, and they was like any new idea they had, they kind of threw that out there like sure let's let's go into <laughs> it. But I saw a lot of people comparing this to like Super Mario World in the sense of like the weird odd choices that they're doing, and for me like World felt like it had more like substantial impact than wonder does but i'm not sure if that's that's the case necessarily it's funny because i just recorded an episode on yoshi's island for my patreon feed and i was playing yoshi's island and right around the time mario wonder drop mm-hmm. i had just finished yoshi's island and so going from that into wonder there's a lot of parallels in both of those games like oh, as far as the gameplay goes yeah yeah um because in yoshi's island there's a few levels where um there's certain aspects like uh the the biggest one that comes to mind is the touch fuzzy get dizzy level i don't know if you're hey, familiar with that t- but... touch the fuzzy wall <laughs> and uh yoshi basically goes on drugs he has an acid trip Which and the is... level you could argue is the entirety of Super Mario Brothers Wonder. It's just, it's just, it's just an acid trip. Exactly. That an exact <laughs> parallel to that. And there's a couple other um, gameplay mechanics as well. I, I can't think off the top of my head. Um, but then the other thing, too, is something you just said about the development of the game. That they were like, yeah. they're throwing darts at the board and they're like, all right, well, how about we just put all of this stuff in here instead? Yeah. So and that's exactly what Tezuka did with Yoshi's Island. Interesting. They took two years to even just d- 
develop ideas for the game. Mm. And it took another three years to actually technically develop the game as well. And I read an interview with uh, Tezuka and Miyamoto around the time Yoshi's Island was getting released. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're getting a, getting a little bit of a taste of the main quest podcast right here. Ooh, <laughs> this there is you go. You go. guys are getting a little morsel here of the main quest. But um, so, yeah, I, I read an article where they're both like. We had a bunch of ideas for Super Mario World that just didn't feel like it would fit the design right, of that right. game. And they knew that this was going that Yoshi's Island was going to be kind of like the send off for the Super mm. Nintendo. And so they did not want to leave any idea on the table. So they pretty much they just like tossed it all in. They're just like, yeah, if I can go with all of it. They had to develop a brand new chip just for that cartridge to make it all work. That's crazy. So again, the parallels to Super Mario Brothers wonder uh, is even more obvious to me than yeah. Super Mario World. World but yeah, interesting. When you think about press cycles and advertising for a video mm-hmm. game, because obviously some of these people, uh, they do get a little bit of change in their pocket from right. um, developers and stuff. Super Mario World is a much bigger name than Yoshi's Island. Yeah. Yoshi's Island was pretty popular. It sold well enough. But everybody knows Super Mario World. Right, right. It, it's well, the it's the whole Dark Souls thing where people are like, oh, yeah, this is like a Dark Souls game. And you're like, bro, Demon Souls, right there. It did it first. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Demon what now? <laughs> My favorite part of Wonder is when Mimido was talking about it. And he was just saying, like, they essentially had no development time. He's like, when the game's done, we'll release it. And that's like something, especially with like so many delays and layoffs mm-hmm. and something that, like, that you just don't see. He's just like, yeah, you know what? Whenever the game's done, we'll push it out. And I feel like it was fairly fairly recent when we saw like the marketing leak out yep. for it, like within like the year of the game coming out, which is also crazy. I love that Nintendo does that. Yeah. Like I, I know some people they kind of like the slow burn of a no of a press cycle, but I love that Nintendo just is like drops a trailer and then like two months out two months out, the game's out. Well, that's my favorite part about like the directs. They're like, hey, there's a direct tomorrow. So hopefully you're awake at 7 a.m. tomorrow and you're like, okay, fuck it. Sure, Nintendo, why not? But like you had a dentist appointment? Not anymore. Not anymore. You're watching that on your phone while you're in there. So you better have one of the assistants hold your phone over you while you're getting your teeth worked on. Uh, but no, I mean, we see things like Elder Scrolls 6 that like we got a splash screen like what, like six years ago or something. Yeah. And there's I was like, I don't want that. Like, I don't want you to like give me concepts like 10 years out. Like I would ra- much rather you be like, here's a cool game and it's out next year. I'm like, cool. That's awesome. Like, I don't have to like spend my time sitting and waiting for it to come out. It's going to come out much sooner than I thought. A hundred percent. Same. And the other thing too, that I noticed between the two games, the two Mario games is that super Mario brothers wonder is coming out pretty much at the end of the life cycle of the switch. Yeah. It's, Same it's thing like for Yoshi's a, Island. It's like, a, it's like a send-off. It's really cool to see the Switch start with Mario and Zelda in Breath of the Wild Odyssey. And, I mean, we don't know when the second one, or the, the sequel to the Switch is coming out, but I imagine within the next year or so, we at least yeah. hear about it. But It's going to be the, one of those things where they announce it in, like, May, <laughs> yeah, and it'll exactly. be out in December. Like, yeah. Oh, I, oh absolutely. Because I, I know that thing's brewing, brewing somewhere in the Nintendo headquarters, and it's just waiting to come out. But, like, yeah. sending it off with Tears of the Kingdom and Wonder, it's just, like, it's very poetic to kind of bookend this with your Marios and your Zeldas, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the game that I am playing currently, 
to finally answer your question. (laughs) (laughs) It's another platformer. Uh, It's a game that I've played quite a few times and that over the past year and change, I've slowly been trying to 100% it. Oh, and that's Celeste. Oh, Oh, good, good luck. I love Celeste, but that game just beat me down. And after I beat it, I was like, I'm good. (laughs) I'm I'm doing an episode on it, so I feel like more pressured to get through it. I Mm -hmm. don't think I'm going to finish it by the time I record. I mean, I've I've finished it. But the 100 percenting it. Yeah, yes, right. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get through 100 percenting it. I'm I'm on the last stage and I haven't unlocked any of the seasides yet. So, oh, yeah. but so far, every strawberry, every crystal heart, every B-side is done up to this point. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see, see if I, I finish I ha- it. But. I have the mentality because like, I feel like games like this, I'm like, okay, like there's a certain amount of collectibles. There's only a handful, like the strawberries and everything in each level. Like this is doable. And it started out that way in the beginning. And mm-hmm. as I started playing more into Celeste, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is not happening. Especially like when you die, it, like you come back out when you beat the level and it shows how many times you've died. I'm like, that's not, I didn't want to know that. Like, <laughs> that's not what I wanted. Celeste is so good though. I, I love it. Oh, it's fantastic. Game. Yeah, it, it's it's funny going from like Yoshi's Island to Super Mario Brothers Wonder to platformers that in their own ways are, they can be difficult. Yeah. You know, like Super Mario Brothers Wonder, they have like the stars. Right. Um. And I think it's like goes up to five or something if you go to the special world. But then you like play Celeste and you're like, oh, yeah. Mario's for babies. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. Like no matter how hard it gets. The precision, like you talk about like pre- pre- precision platformers and you're like, yeah, but like you have to be so precise with that game. And if you're off by a little bit, you're done. You got to start yeah. over and do it all over again. And it's like, I love the mechanics. I love the story. Like just like the, the, the idea of like mental health and everything and literally like climbing over the mountain and like the whole self-reflection aspect to it too. I love it. So yeah, cool. the story feeds into the gameplay so well, the yeah. way it, it mixes into each other is um, a masterclass in both game design and storytelling. Yeah. And, and, and I'm that- pretty sure that, uh, developers working on a new game, right? It's like Earthblade or something like that. Yeah, Earthblade. Yeah, which yeah. we don't know too much about outside of like the little teaser that they put out. I mean, all they had to show me was the Celeste team was working on it, and I was like, you know what? I trust you. You guys yeah. killed it with Celeste. So whatever this is going to be, I am here for. I think with a um, release date, tentative release date, probably. Yeah. Of next year. Hmm. If I remember right. Or it'll just be a silk song and it'll never come out. Don't, never. Don't do that to me. <laughs> don't do that I still I still haven't played Hollow Knight. Many people tell me I need to play Hollow Knight. I still never played that game. I won't tell you that you need to. Yeah. I I mean, are you into Metroidvanias? Yeah. Yeah, I like Metroidvanias. Okay. Well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say you need to check it out. I won't be one yeah. of those people, but it is very good. Hmm. I mean, speaking of 100%, it's one of those games where I nearly 100%ed it, but there is um, DLC. I got the oh, of course, like Game of the Year edition or something, so it came oh, with everything. Yeah, yeah. And one of the DLCs is literally a boss rush, and um, oh. I, I may come from a retro gaming background, but I fucking hate boss rushes, and so I just <laughs> never... I 
I think I might might have played like five minutes of it. I'm like, I'm not, I'm never. You're doing right. This. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I loved like uh, Ori in the Blind Forest and the Will. Like that. Those games are fantastic. Oh, okay, I need to play those still. So good. Oh yeah. If you liked, I guess I haven't played Hollow Knight, so I don't. I know Hollow Knight, at least from what I've heard, is a little more difficult in its mm-hmm. like actual gameplay. But Ori, it's 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 score is so good, and the and the visuals are beautiful. If you haven't played Ori, you really need to play it. It's so good, especially if you like Metroidvanias. Yeah, both of them. I they're just one of those games that just keep getting shoved into the backlog. Uh, for me, I've been playing a little bit of Super Mario Brothers Wonder as well. Like I said, my wife is very big on two D platformers and Mario games, especially. So that's when that came out. I was like, oh yeah, we're definitely gonna play this. We're gonna play through that as well. Um, it's been great. I love all the quirky mechanics. I think Elephant Mario is an interesting decision, but it's fucking Mario. So it's like I'm not I'm I'm baffled and then not surprised equally at the same time where it's like, yep, that makes sense. And also like what the fuck's happening? Like what? Can I just can <laughs> I just elephant? be the one to say that the elephant power up is one of the most useless Mario mechanics. <laughs> I, I, well, even like when I was playing through it, I was like, I don't see a lot of, I mean, sure, you can break blocks, but you can do that before. I guess you use your water to do mm-hmm. some things. You can get coins from the flowers. But other than that, I was like, I didn't, aside from it's just like aesthetic and like shock value, I didn't see a lot of uh, like function in the elephant power up. Yeah, they don't, they don't really use it very well. Like there's not a lot of levels yeah. that are like, you need the, power up specifically to do anything or get anywhere i guess it's not as useless as the bubble one but was the bubble more useless oh uh, no (laughs) i thought the bubble one was it's nice to get like bounce off the bubbles and get like a little bit of extra height but there's badges for that yeah so i've seen i've seen i think the badges are like they're the best addition to this game but 100 percent i've I've seen people like speed run levels using the bubble like power up and then just use that as like momentum and height to get you further. But like, I guess, I guess you said like you can use badges for that too. Right. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I was playing completely opposite of Mario is yes, I've fallen into the call of duty pit and I've been playing oh, shit. modern modern okay. warfare three. Uh, it's, I have an interesting relationship with call of duty, right? I don't think it's worth $70. Not at all. Uh, I love, the multiplayer like i love playing call of duty multiplayer so much it's that perfect like well especially now where a lot of my time goes to the games i play for the podcast a lot of things i'm doing my own time i'm playing like multiplayer games i'll play overwatch i'll play pokemon unite i'll play call of duty and they're like the perfect like jump in for an hour and a half and just turn my brain off and play a game kind of thing yeah so you you seem like you're more on like the first person shooter front of gaming for the most part because i've you know, growing up, I, I played a ton mm. of fighting games with friends. Um, right. I noticed, like, even just looking at the library of games um, that I have coming up on the show, it's it's like um, at some point <laughs> I stopped playing video games with friends. Yeah. Like, pretty much in the late 90s, and it just kind of became more of like a solitary thing that I did. Yep. And so I, I missed out on the whole, like, renaissance of first person shooters i mean i I grew up playing doom and duke nukem and quake and stuff like that in the 90s but i mean the the thing with me too is yes i play a lot of first person shooters and i do love fps games but like as a kid and like into high school 
didn't have family, didn't have a lot of money. So I didn't have internet. So I didn't like, I played all these games by myself. <laughs> I didn't oh, okay. play a lot okay. of online shooters and we'll get into a little bit with Halo Reach, but I didn't play a, a ton of games online until, until much later, like late mm. high school and the college. And that's when I started playing more multiplayer games. But even then, like even now I play Call of Duty by myself. Like I don't play with a lot of people. Like every now and then maybe a friend will jump in, but a lot of FPS games, I just play by myself. Yeah, GoldenEye was kind of like, the last call for uh, maybe I, I dabbled in Counter-Strike here and there, but Ooh, oh, interesting. Well, GoldenEye to Counter-Strike. What a what a, <laughs> what a <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was kind of like in the waning years of my first person shooter yeah. stuff. And I played like. Some kill zone from time to time. Yeah. Um, I also I also love fighting games like I I don't like talk about it very much, but I love Mortal Kombat. Like Mortal Kombat as a franchise, like I played a ton. Uh, I played it on NSNES. I played a ton of like the PS2 ones growing up, and I remember mm-hmm. being really excited for like X to come out. Like I love Mortal Kombat games. Like those, those games are so fun. Yeah, I want to get Mortal Kombat one. I just don't know when I would have time to actually play it. <laughs> and see, for me, like I, I I love those games. But I'm fine waiting for them because I know sure. in like a year span, it's going to come out with the ultimate edition. It's going to have all the DLC. It's going to be a discounted mm-hmm. price. That's what I how it got uh, MK11. I just bought the ultimate edition for like $25 or something, which came with all the DLC like a year and a half mm-hmm. later. And I was like, I'll just wait. I'll just wait till it's discount. I don't need to play it now. As far as Call of Duty goes, are they still making those year after year? Is that still an annual thing? Yep. Still doing it every year. And so there are wild. they. Are there still like main? Because I know Modern Warfare Three is a remake mm. of Modern Warfare Three. See, <laughs> so you you would think, but it's not. Oh. So like w- when they did the Modern Warfare remake, it was kind of like they remade some of that those original two thousand eight maps, and then they have like the story, but their own twist on it, mm. and then. With Modern Warfare 2, this and now now this story, it's gone in a completely different direction. It has nothing to do with MW3, like in its narrative at all. Oh, so it's like Mortal Kombat where there was um a time lord that messed <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much someone someone Thanos snapped and they're like, restart the population, we'll just do a, a new a new timeline where where the past events don't even matter. I might I might play a Call of Duty game if there's a Time Lord involved and you're going through <laughs> portals and fighting men with knives coming out of their forearms. <laughs> oh man. Well, it's funny because Warzone, their their battle royale for Halloween, they did like there's like a bunch of creatures and stuff running around the map. Like there's like swamp monsters and demons you have to fight. And it's like in this very modern Call of Duty map, except there's like demons flying around and swamp monsters you have to kill and bosses you have to fight, which is insane. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into our very first game of the evening. The game that I recommended you to play, which is Halo Reach.
So Halo Reach originally came out in September 14th, 2010 for the Xbox 360, published by Microsoft Game Studios and developed by good old Bungie. Um, this game is actually, it, it's it, in its narrative and everything, is a prequel to the first Halo game. This one takes place before. And this is where they started dabbling in like starting to pull some of the novels in because there's a bunch of halo books and halo novels and everything mm. like that and this one more or less follows some aspects of um of that game but first of all keith did you finish halo reach i did oh god i did and would you recommend it i've, I've moved the recommend to the top of the show where it could just be a yes or a no or a maybe or a kind of because our conversation will give context to your answer. So would you recommend Halo Reach? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. For the sake of it, why not? It's um, on a personal level, mm -hmm. it wasn't really my thing. Okay. Again, I've never been that huge into first-person shooters, not since, you know... Mm -hmm. The boomer shooter era, as, as right. people tend to call it these days. It's, you know, it's a competent game. It's okay. exactly what you're going to want. Mm -hmm. My thing is, my question is. Yeah. I have dabbled in the first Halo game. Okay. This was going to be my Halo, question, actually. Halo Combat Evolved was huge. There's no denying yeah. that. that. That game blew up. It's what put xbox on the map right uh we probably yeah. might not even have xbox anymore if it wasn't if it wasn't for halo yeah. yeah and i played that with my friends and i absolutely got my ass kicked because i just i had an xbox i just never mm. bought halo because again right. first person shooters not really going out of my way to go play them and so this was my actual first experience with a halo game since that interesting okay okay and every time i hear about a halo game everybody talks about the multiplayer mm. i don't hear anybody ever talk about the campaign right so with my recommendation i'm kind of torn because it's like i didn't think the campaign was that great but it's like if mm. you are like I guess really into first person shooters, then yeah. the campaign is probably going to be for you. And I mm. do like how they mix up the gameplay. Actually, yeah. I was actually really surprised that, you know, they're like, all right, here's like, um, here's a stealth mission. Yes, and, okay. Yeah. Now this is the mission where you're going to infiltrate and just absolutely wipe the floor with people. Oh, okay. Now here's a flight mission where you're in a mm -hmm. spaceship <laughs> and you're going to be <laughs> flying around space. And it's kind of like a shoot 'em up. And, um, Oh, and, and then here's the uh, vehicle mission where you're going to be in a vehicle the entire time. Yep, and yep. Oh, got to have one of those up. in there. Got to have a vehicle mission. Which also like, man, the wart is the Warthog supposed to suck on purpose or is that like a, a they're not they're not they're not great. They're notorious for being like awful to drive. OK, maybe in, in later <laughs> games it gets a little better, but the Warthog is just notorious for being just like awful to control yeah i wasn't getting anywhere in that thing i was getting blown up <laughs> left right and yeah. center like it did not fucking matter as soon as i got in there and like the ai doesn't help because i was like all right oh no i at can't all. i was like if i can't drive it at least i can shoot the big gun on the back of it 
And then the AI is just like, you're better off driving it yourself because it's just, it's a shit show either way. Either you have awful driving and the gunner is incapable, or you put one of them behind the wheel and then it's just, it's over. Yeah. So it was like a lose lose situation there. But I mean, I got through it. Um, So I was surprised by the variation of gameplay in it. Mm -hmm. But like, I always feel like Halo's best in its multiplayer at least that's what i've always heard so i i don't know if the campaign is lackluster or not i can't tell you yeah maybe you can shed some light on that yeah so that bleeds perfectly into why i recommended this game to you so i played the first halo i never had an xbox growing up but i had a um I had a buddy that did, and that was pretty much the thing that he had. He had like Halo, he had some other games, Serious Sam, and that's how I got into some of those FPS games. Mm -hmm. Uh, I missed Halo 2 because I didn't have an Xbox at all. I got in on Halo 3 when I had a 360 and then played that and ODST and Reach. And like you were saying, for me, I always played these games co-op and the story was, it was fine. Like it, it was nothing to write home about. I played a co-op with, but with my friends, most of the time it was just us fucking around, blowing each other up with rocket launchers and running each other over with the warthogs, which is how we spent most of our time in this, in the story. Um, Halo reach was the first Halo game that I did play multiplayer. So me and my oh. friends did play a lot of multiplayer with, with this game, but it was the story that hooked me more than anything else. Because I feel, and I might get a lot of hate from this, but some of the original Halo stories, and like at least Master Chief as a character, he's kind of one note. Like he's big green dude, time to save the galaxy. Here's Cortana, your your sexy blue companion, and that's the extent of it. Some of them, some of them have a little more more nuance to that. And, you know, there's some Halo Three has a really good story with Arbiter, who's a kind of a covenant that's been he's defected from the covenant and he's working with the humans. And ODST shines a cool light on characters that aren't Master Chief. If you're just playing like a normal soldier, but Reach was one that that I feel gave the most personality to these characters right you're playing noble team and you have all the characters on noble team they all seem i mean a little tropey in in their kind of personalities but have personalities nonetheless it really felt like you had a, a, a team you had a squad of people that all had their own individual wants and desires and things like that from there and the 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 campaign i mean especially like i mean jumping right into it with like the first scene you see from the game is like the shattered helmet on the sand like there's a lot of really cool cinematic shots i mean we'll get into the how the game ended it later on but like how the ending it, how they make decisions for the ending like all of that is very like against what i had played in halo so that's why it stood out to me a lot there was like characters that felt like they had agency their their story was it was a hero's journey but you know the hero's journey it's always supposed to have a, a bright, beautiful ending or, or a cliffhanger or something like that. And this one just kind of ends. And that like sat with me for a while where I was like, oh, that's that's it. Like, we're done. And those things really stood out for me in the campaign. And that's why I wanted, I recommended it to you to play. And it's interesting that like your experience is just Halo and then this because 
I mean, Halo 2 and 3 do change. And like you can get deep into the lore with Halo. And a lot of people will be like, oh, here's the little differences between those. But at least for me, like Master Chief and those stories don't change a ton until you start getting into ODST in this game as well. I love how passionate you are about this game like i could just tell how much you love this game and i'm going to yeah. feel like the biggest asshole in like about two minutes no 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 this is this is perfect because I, I i want different perspectives on this as well because i mean you when we were talking about what games we would recommend each other yeah and i was like yeah i've never really played a halo game ever perfect. and you were like oh you should start with halo reach because it's a prequel and you don't really need to know any of the story or anything. So you can go into yeah. this and know, you know, at least know the setup to the rest of the games. Right. 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 And to tell you the truth, like I couldn't tell you who any of these fucking characters are. They all look the <laughs> same. Like they're all just big armored helmet person. I think there's maybe yeah. like two scenes where they take off their helmets. And I like, mm. it's not enough time to get to know yeah. who these people are. And I'll admit it's, it's a it's a me thing. Yeah. I don't particularly like when I'm playing a video game and I'm trying to do something mm. and then there's just a whole bunch of chatter in the background that's yeah. It's supposed to kind of fill in the gaps of the story and make everything mm. seem a little more um uh, atmospheric and atmospheric isn't the word I was looking for. Um but kind of like that. Yeah. And to me it's like I'm I'm trying to concentrate on doing something instead of either trying to read subtitles or drive a fucking warthog correctly. Exactly. And I have that problem with a lot of modern JRPGs yeah. as well. You'll yes. be in the middle of a battle, you'll be fighting a boss and all of a sudden, you know, the little anime girl is sitting there giving like this huge dissertation about what's happening in the story and why you have to yes. defeat the monster and how friendship and love will overcome. And I'm like, I am trying to decide what potions that I'm going to use. Like, yeah, I'm please trying to stop. not die right now. Well, this is exactly why, because there's been some instances playing RPGs where I'm like, oh, like, I'll play it in Japanese, right? I like anime. I watch anime in Japanese. I'll do that. But in situations exactly like that, where you're wandering around the world and exploring, or you're fighting a boss, and then I'll have to like take my time to like pull myself out and read these subtitles and of this text while these other situation is happening and ultimately i was like i just can't i can't mm -hmm. do both of those things at the same time yeah it's different like in a game like the last of us where a lot of that right. narrative is happening while you're walking around mm. not a lot of that narrative is happening when there's action on the screen right right uh, there's little things here and there uh to give it a, a little bit of flourish but what i'm like tossing grenades from a warthog while trying to take <laughs> down one of the um what do you want to call it? Like, um, like a communication tower or something like that. Like, right, I don't yeah. need this oorah big boot motherfucker telling me like <laughs> uh, covenant lore or something like it. Right, right. And that's the other thing too. I'm not too into the whole, um, I guess military combat lifestyle. Mm, so a lot yeah. of that dial dialogue comes off as like really broish and fucking corny well, to me. Well, especially this like 2010. We got Gears of War around this time. And it's right. very the hoorah, big old bulky men army and, shooter kind of thing. And I think what put me off 
of that more with mm. this in this instance was the fact that I was like, okay, Halo's like takes place in outer space. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't so sure if these people were humans or not. You clarified that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was like, this is outer space. It takes place in like, I don't know, 31, 22, like yeah. really far in the future. But these people are talking like they just like left Afghanistan. They're getting their assault rifles. They, they're AR-15s and right, they're, they're going to kill the aliens. Like they're going to go home and buy a Mustang. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So it was um that was kind of off-putting. I was really actually yeah. surprised by the dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and then when uh, some of the characters die, uh, like you said, there's a lot of great shots. It's a yeah. really well-directed game. It's fucking gorgeous like the cinematography for some of their shots are just they're beautiful i love the direction they they went with some of those yeah yeah this is what 2010 2011 Mm -hmm. this game still looks gorgeous absolutely Mm -hmm. gorgeous and you could tell there are some scenes where they're like something big is happening and i'm sitting there like i don't care because i don't know who this person (laughs) is (laughs) um like there's um there's one scene where um one of your teammates gets taken out by a sniper. Oh, cat. Yeah. Oh, and, no, cat. And I'm like, all right. But then also, like, after the fact, after, like, the scene was over, I was sitting there, and I'm like, don't these motherfuckers have shield? I've been, like, sniped, like, at least 700 <laughs> times. Like, how it's, did it's, she get shot? <laughs> that, it, that's <laughs> funny, because I, I, thought, I thought that exact same thing, where it's just like, Bro, I've been like I've had like eight rocket launchers shot at me. I'm like I'm good. I think like (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, but like those kind of things. And I think having the context of so like the other Halo games, at least in my opinion, have even less like character to them than Mm -hmm. than this one with these these cast of characters. Right? Mm -hmm. It's just you have a couple standouts here and there, but like Master Chief doesn't really have. I mean, maybe coming into like some of the later games, like Halo Five, he kind of changes his mindset, but he he pretty much has the same mentality through most of them, right? Save the world, help the people, do the right thing. And these characters, for one, not being Master Chief, so it was cool to just play and have a team that wasn't Master Chief centric, and then have them like die. Cat's death what hit me. I was like, because oh, okay. of. Of 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 when it happened to, and maybe it wasn't even Cat herself, because even like thinking about it, like uh, things about her, I know she has like a like an ambiguous accent, like she's Russian or something. I don't know, but it was just like when it happened. It was one of those like storytelling and directing <laughs> moments where it's like you just came out of a big battle, cool, you finally made it to the safe house, you're fine, and then she gets shot in the head and dies. And it was like, oh, that we were supposed to be safe now, like we were supposed to be okay, and then she wasn't. That was like damn that's crazy and it is incredibly sudden yeah exactly it is incredibly sudden it's it's very unexpected and so Mm. i i could see how that would impact you if you cared about the character but i was like i don't even (laughs) know who this person is (laughs) yeah uh she looks exactly the same as the other people because they're always wearing their armor so yeah, I, I was trying to think. I guess they don't. They don't take their. We talked about the the top of the episode or before recording. But I was like, man, I should have played some Halo Reach before <laughs> before this. But I'm trying to think because 
I have the, the the noble team character sheet up right now, and it shows all of them aside from Emil, because Emil, well, the guy with the skull on his his helmet, mm. he's the one that notoriously yeah. never takes off his mask. But all mm-hmm. the other ones, I think, at least do it once or twice. Yeah, but there's a couple all scenes unhelmeted where... in in these character portraits. Yeah, they, there's a couple scenes where they have their helmets off, but it's never right. for like longer than a minute or two. So mm. it's like I'm not even getting used to their faces or their personality or anything yeah. like that. Um, and again, like all of their personality just seems like, Oorah, let's go get them for W and uh, like, you know, it's just, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, um, we'll let you we'll let you know what freedom really tastes like, brother. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's just kind it's of a lot of that is too much. It was too It was really took me by surprise to be honest uh, when I thought I was just going to get like this really cool sci-fi space shooter. Um, so yeah, I was, I was kind of let down by the narrative and the characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Even some of like, like George, he's like the the big bulky dude, like him and then the commander too, Carter. They're very much. And then Emil is always like in the back, like sharpening his knife or something and just yeah. not talking to the rest of the group. <laughs> and you're like, bro, what are you doing? What's happening right it's, now? Yeah. Some, very big edgelord shit going on oh oh uh, absolutely he like, is the edgelord of the team and when i realized like halfway through the game like what they were doing i mean this is basically rogue yeah. one before yeah. rogue one right and i love rogue one by the way it's probably one mm. of my favorite star wars movies but my problem with that movie too is also the characters because you know it's going to yeah. happen to them so once right. i realized what was going on in halo reach that you know these people weren't going to make it off the planet. Yeah. I was like, oh well, maybe they made these characters shitty and one-dimensional on purpose because they're like, well, you're never going to see them again. And I don't know if that's true. Maybe you right. do see them in another game. I'm not. I'm not sure. But then that also kind of made me sad because also I was like, I I kind of want to see Master Chief in this game. <laughs> Like, right it's uh, yeah yeah as somebody who doesn't play halo i'm just like yeah master chief he's you're halo. you're waiting for the big green guy to come in like i'll save you guys don't worry right yeah exactly but i think this game yeah. takes place like 500 years or something prior to halo something, right? something along yeah. those lines i know it's before yeah i mean you're right the characters and well, spoilers for the i mean we've been talking spoilers this entire time but are very like representational right they're all meant to die by some means of mm-hmm. of trying to protect their mission or go against it because as you see from like the middle of the narrative they realize you know the people that are working for are a little corrupt the decisions that they're making aren't really going with like the good and or at least the idea of what the team thinks and they kind of like you said go rogue and it's kind of like they all at the very end there's no happy ending and i think that was the other thing that kind of just surprised me playing this in 2010 when i've played through other halo games and everything like that and the other ones end relatively success- successful with Master Chief at least being alive and like continuing on. This one ends in a very, very bleak manner, especially that very last mission in which you just have to fight off hordes and hordes yes. of Covenant until you ultimately die. And then I, that's the end of the game. Yeah, I actually did want to give props to the end of the game. Uh, I loved the end of the game. Yeah. Like, because you are just, you're not helpless. Like, it does give you ammo. They right. do give you some health packs. Um, but you are just fighting off hordes 
of the covenant and there's this dramatic music playing it slowly starts to build like the more Mm -hmm. enemies show up and then like because to me the entire journey up to that point was me just being like all right see bad guy shoot bad guy like that's what the gameplay was to me it was just very yeah one note in my opinion but again Mm -hmm. i'm not a first person shooter guy Right. Um, it was it was just very like, all right, everybody just shooty, shooty, bang, bang, right. hide, duck in a corner. All right. Shooty, shooty, bang, bang. And when I realized that this particular I didn't really realize it was the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, just more guys. I got to keep shooting. I got to keep shooting. And then yeah. I started um, wandering off and it was like, you're leaving the game area. And I'm like, the fuck do you mean I'm leaving the game area? Like, I'm, just, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm trying to move on with the level. And um, then I kind of realized what the game was doing. And then mm. I did try to like last as long as I could. And yeah. so it just well, made it more that moment more impactful because I was actually right. trying to survive. Right. Well, that's and, the interesting thing, too, is it makes it feel realistic. Right. Like you said, it's not like you're helpless or anything like that. You have your equipment, you have your kits the enemies they're throwing at you, at least in the beginning, are relatively, like, they're grunts, they're the easy enemies. Like, it yep. feels doable. You're like, oh, survive. Like, I can do that. And as time goes on, you realize that that, that idea is something that you're, you're less and less confident on when they're throwing the big, big elite guys at you and you're getting hit. And now, like, you see the visor of your helmet start to crack a little bit. And you're like, oh, that was I the other giveaway, think, too. Yeah. Where I, I was don't like, think oh, this is, this is different. Here. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And so it was, a very well orchestrated moment and yeah. I, I think it was I think it was done very, very well. It was very right. it was very impactful for somebody who was like playing the entire game kind of not right really caring for for it that much. Well and it was interesting. They did a good job of foreshadowing without giving anything away, right? That very first scene is your helmet. Your helmet in the the sand destroyed and right. that was right. the ending the ending they they gave away the end without telling you that's how it was going to end that like none of these people the noble team will have a tragic ending that none of them would survive and again your whole idea of like video game is beating it and, and being successful and winning and it doesn't feel like that at the end of this you don't feel like you've won or you've beaten anything you lose and then credits roll and then you're like what what happened and then, and that kind of like subverted my expectation of like how games and especially these games work where it was just like you did it and i was like don't feel like i did it because i just died <laughs> nothing happened yeah 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 i yeah i thought it wrapped up really well yeah you know it it wasn't it wasn't something I expected. And yeah, that mm. took me su- by surprise, man. Yeah. So you, you touched on the gameplay being a lot of like, see bad guy, shoot bad guy, which is all of, of the gameplay <laughs> in itself. But <laughs> yeah. like you're saying, it, it kind of throws some curveballs in the gameplay with uh, the stealth mission and then like the spaceships as well. That stealth mission is one uh, uh, of my favorites. Uh, how did you feel about that and maybe some of the other gameplay missions in Halo Reach? Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> the sigh. <laughs> Again, I enjoyed that they switched it up right. from time to time. Yeah, yeah. You weren't just doing the same on dirt, shoot bad guy, go to tower kind of thing the entire time. But like, 
even though they do switch it up at the end of the day that's still what i was doing i mean you're still sh- you're still <laughs> shooting bad guys just in a different way so it's like yeah the stealth mission is really cool yeah. but i'm just shooting bad guys more quietly um <laughs> or i'm just coming I'm up behind space. or i'm just shanking them with a giant light sword right or whatever right. that thing is um energy yeah. sword yeah, the only thing that I think, yeah, I think the only level that truly changes things up is that, um, that level where you fly up into space. Yeah, which uh, I th- I feel like it went on a little bit too long because the ship isn't yeah. that much fun to control. What is it with Halo, at least with this game, and like their vehicles not being very fun to control? Yeah, they they it, it never was great in the beginning. Every vehicle felt like you were on an ice level in Mario for some reason. Like it just mm-hmm. slip and slid every possible direction. Mm-hmm. It feels a little better now, but you're, nope, you're right. They're they're not great to control. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> the spaceship was like a little clunky. It, I would have preferred that out of any of the other vehicles that were in the game, but yeah. it was it was a little clunky. I had a lot of fun. I think it went on a little bit too long for my taste, mm. and then it was cool that you boarded the covenant ship and then you have the whole mission where you have to like set off the bomb Mm -hmm. um that was really cool um how that dude survived the fall back to reach i have no idea i'm not gonna worry about it um superpowers i i also enjoyed the introduction of the jetpack because then that introduced some really interesting gameplay mechanics with platforming and stuff which i Mm. did not expect from a halo game at all right Um, and that was really satisfying <laughs> to jump around the stage and, mm. you know, shooting people, seeing people shooting them. And, um, but yeah, I mean, as everything else in between was just kind of like mundane, yeah. I guess. Like I, I just never, well, I, I mean, never felt right. anything. If, <laughs> if, if you didn't get hooked into the story, the gameplay is more or less the same. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's, the case for most of those um most of the halo games anyways like the <laughs> gameplay is going to be see bad guy shoot bad guy and the story more or less is what you know that lore and things like that is what a lot of people are being driven into they like playing these yeah. games they like to experience these stories not necessarily that they enjoy i mean maybe they do enjoy the the game to game kind of thing and you know a lot of people are are masochists where they'll just turn up the difficulty to legendary and then try to beat it that way as well so there's a little aspect and like challenge to it but you're essentially you're essentially doing the exact same thing that's why that's why i brought up the multiplayer that's why i asked you about that because yeah. otherwise i'm like i feel like this mm-hmm. is a much i think this is supposed to be experienced with friends like kind of like a much more communal yeah. thing than just you know yeah, well, and that was that was the other thing too. I played the first time I played through this game was co-op. Like I played through it with my buddy co-op, and we played through the narrative that way. And then even multiplayer. Like I said, this was the very first Halo game I ever played online multiplayer for. So there's a little like rose tinted glasses for that being like this was my first forte into that, and I had such a fun time. I remember being terrible, but like me, we had a headset, so me and my friend were just talking shit, even though I was like Owen twenty five or something like that, and it was just it was just a fun time. Yeah, it, it's it's quite the juxtaposition than sitting by yourself right kind of wondering what the hell's going on who these characters are <laughs> yeah and yeah. you're just like well here are the bad guys so i have to shoot them right that's just kind of how i felt the entire game i again i do appreciate that they 
changed some of the missions up. Yeah. Because otherwise I would have, I don't know if I would have even played the rest of the game. If it was all just the same. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to think of like, I haven't played the OG like Halo games in a while. And with Master Chief Collection, they fully remade Halo 2 with like these beautiful like CG cutscenes, which looks really cool. Um, but I think the gameplay is more this like it doesn't I don't remember it changing very much. Like it's pretty much the same. If you don't like shooting bad guys and walking around and, and <laughs> driving ice ice warthogs, then you're not gonna enjoy you're not gonna have a good time. That's the other thing too that I was disappointed with. Like there's not a lot of cool guns. Mm, yeah. Like none well, of them and are also, that like, I mean, satisfying. I guess, Right. And the thing is, like, you're like, especially if you've played Halo, you're thinking like super futuristic. We're gonna have some cool weapons and it's like Mm -hmm. pistols and assault rifles and uh, battle rifles and snipers. And they all even just look kind of you can pick up like covenant weapons, but covenant weapons are awful. Aside from like energy swords and stuff like that. And the needler, a lot of those weapons just suck. And you're better off using the the human weapons anyways. (laughs) But like you said, those are just like you say this is the future, but this looks like it could be guns from like a modern era or something. Like yeah, that. like there's not there's not a lot of futuristic aspects to the human weapons, aside from like they have big old space and even like their ships, like pelicans and stuff like that. They're just big planes and big helicopters. Oh yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about the helicopters. Yeah, they're just they're just helicopters. Mm. <laughs> oh, the one mission that I did think was cool was the one where you're like you're flying around the city. And you're going from like Ooh, building to building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was kind of cool, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you could, um, before you even like land on the helipad, you're just like blasting away Covenant and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of satisfying, but yeah. um, I, I mean, I can under it's it, I can understand going into this, especially 2023 modern time, and seeing this and being like, yeah, it's a very bland just just shooter, right? You you go to A to B, you shoot people mm-hmm. and even like in some of the cutscenes I was watching and like what you were talking about, you're right. I didn't remember it being so like very bro and it is, and it is a lot of that. And that just kind of gameplay and that at least like, like that provides nothing. There's no like character development to that or anything with that kind of, of mentality with the story. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was just a little disappointed and you know, like mm-hmm. I said, I would recommend it. Yeah. Because it is a very solid game, it's just kind of not for me. I, I wish yeah. it was. Yeah, and that's and then you know you know what at the end of the day, that's all that matters. If you can be like, I can see someone enjoying this, but it's not for me. If everyone had that mentality, the world would be a better, <laughs> yeah, better right. place. <laughs> you don't like my favorite game? Well, fuck you. You have terrible taste. You should die. Because as like a first person shooter, like it's solid. The mechanics there's not yeah. many flaws. Like aside from, like I said the story could probably be better. Mm. Uh, I feel like it didn't do its job pulling me in. Mm. And part of that's also due to the kind of the era that it came out in. Uh, right. With the dialogue and, and things like that. Um, yeah. yeah. But otherwise, like there's not a lot, like there's not a lot of flaws about this game. It's just, right. I expected like a really cool space thing. And what I got was kind of, similar to call of duty surprisingly yeah <laughs> bring, it so. full, bring it full circle yeah, yeah yeah you're right and i think th- that changes a little bit in aspects going forward but i think like with reach and odst they they took a more quote-unquote grounded approach 
or especially like ODST is like, you're just a soldier guy. And, and even in, in reach, it's like, Oh, you're just, you're a noble team. You're just a ragtag team of, of, of soldiers just trying to get the job done. And like, mm-hmm. that's, that's the whole idea of it where maybe some of the other ones lean into the more futuristic and fantastical. I mean, Halo two has some like wild alien lore and like the alien council that you have to go kill and everything like that, which is wild. But Again, this was supposed to be like the, the the first introduction and the precursor to um, the original Halo. And again, I don't know how in depth that goes with with some of the novels, but yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, Keith, you want to give us like some some final thoughts on Halo Reach here? No. Good. <laughs> <laughs> you said it all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, what else more right. can I say other than like? It's probably past its prime. I don't think anybody's mm-hmm. really playing multiplayer unless you have some close knit friends that have the uh, Master Chief Collection, which is this is how I played it. Yeah, um, through Game Pass. I think you could you can still play like those individual <laughs> game multiplayers, right? Like you can focus on specific games with Master Chief Collection, or you can just play yes. like a like a full like, like you can just, like, right. just play yep. Halo Two, and you could just play Halo Three multiplayer and things like that. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think it's as far as that goes, I think that's kind of past its prime. I don't know what you're really going to get out of that unless, again, yeah. you have a couple of friends. Um, yeah, I just kind of wish I had a better time with it. But other than mm-hmm. that, I mean, it's it's a solid game. Yeah, perfect. Well, let's move on now to the game that you recommended me to play, which is Sonic Mania. Sonic Mania came out originally, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, 2017, Nintendo Switch, August 15th, 2017. It has since gone to multitude of systems on Windows, it's on PS5, it's on, it's on. You can pretty much play this game anywhere at this point. Uh, Sonic Mania is cool because its development is interesting that it started out as like... um, I forget, I forget who the individuals were, but it was people that worked on the like fan games, ROM hacks of Sonic games originally. Yeah, it's Christian Whitehead. And That's, uh, yeah, there you more go. specifically, I believe it's Headcanon Studios. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Christian Whitehead has um, he has a resume of making basically Sonic ROM hacks. Right. And then he, Sega, instead of doing the thing Nintendo would do and absolutely ruining this man's uh life finance career, yeah like jail time exactly yeah money. <laughs> <laughs> um hollywood miyamoto coming to his house and giving him a pile driver yeah <laughs> <laughs> um sega gave the dude a job and one of his 
first games was making a mobile port of Sonic CD, I believe. Interesting. And like that's the whole thing is such a wild concept. Like you're saying, maybe it's just like my my Nintendo like <laughs> forward brain and like anything ROM hack or anything like that gets you get a cease and desist from Nintendo. They come after you and your money. Where here they're like, hey, you do a pretty good job with these ROM hacks. You want a job and like work for us? Like that's cool. Like, Sega was like, man, our Sonic games have been bad for a really long time. And you seem like you know what you're doing. So um, <laughs> do you want a job? Yeah. I mean, we don't need you or anything, but like, do you want a job? Do, do you want to make a Sonic game? Yeah. And um, that's kind of where Sonic Mania comes from. And it's um, you can tell Sonic Mania has a ton of love poured into it. If um, yeah. you are a fan of of the franchise, at least the the original 2D games, which, you know, right. I have to ask. Where where's your um history with the original franchise? So for me, Sonic was kind of like some of the first video game things that I played. I remember as a kid, I had a Nintendo sixty four was my first console. My first handheld I ever had was a Sega Game Gear. I remember some guy was going around with like a box of his stuff. Some college dude when I was a kid, he was just selling his things, and he had a Game Gear. So I asked my mom to buy it. I had Sonic the first Sonic the Hedgehog. I had Sonic Spinball and like Earthworm Jim. And those were like the three games that I had on my Game Gear. And I remember this big, bulky Game Gear, and I played that all the time. But that was my first introduction to Sonic was that. I remember watching the cartoon back in the day and then as like into the early 2000s, like the the, um, Kids WB Sonic cartoon and everything like that. But that's where my 2D Sonic experience ended was oh, playing that. through the first Sonic. I mean, more recently, like I was telling you, I was on a Get Wrecked with, with Ben where I played through Sonic 2. I played through that on NSO, but that was the first time I had played through that. I still have never played through Sonic 3 Knuckles. I haven't done that. And my Sonic experience mostly came through the 3D ones, right? Mm-hmm. My first one was Sonic Adventure. I played Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, Heroes, Riders, um, Shadow the Hedgehog, Sonic 06, <laughs> which we don't want to talk about. Uh, but all those very cursed 3D Sonics where I had all of my experience with as well, too. So m- when I went back to Sonic 2 and played that, it was a good time. Like it, it was a good time, but it was surprising that... like. The whole idea of like Sonic going fast was so prominent in the 3D games, and the idea of that in Sonic 2 felt like such a hindrance. Where if I was going fast, I was losing and I was dying, and it was more about like precision platforming and not taking things too quickly, which felt (laughs) which felt redundant to the whole "gotta go fast" moniker. I love hearing it. Also, by the way. I think either today or tomorrow, um, as of this recording, uh, happy 17th birthday to Sonic 06. Oh, wow. Um. You know, it, you know, it's funny. I actually, I was trying to figure out how the other day to play Sonic 06 for the podcast. And I was trying to figure out how to play. I think why it's would backwards you do, compatible. Why would you do that to them? <laughs> because I want to see how bad it is. I'm curious as well. I, you know what? If you guys pull while. it off, I waited for, with bated breath for that series. So, uh, but, but, and you know, that was kind of the, I mean, Sonic is, as we see it now, has, has definitely come around in, in its games and its popularity as well. But Sonic has 06, it? I mean, yes, kind of. I mean, they're still <laughs> making games. So I guess that's like, that's at least something. 
they have TV shows and movies now and everything like that. So it's, it's at least relatively successful. I feel like that movie gave the franchise a shot in an ar- shot in the arm that it desperately needed. Yeah, and I mean, I and I liked the Sonic movie. Like it was, it was the same Sorry. thing. Like going in with the Mario movie. Like I was like, I have zero expectations for this. This could be like fantastic, or it can be like terrible. I was like, it's it's a Sonic movie, and with the whole like debacle with OG Sonic and everything like that. This God, I need his, it. I want it first. You know that. You know that cut design. is out there. Give me no, the Sonic, the Sonic cut. <laughs> and then he made it into that uh that Chippendale live action uh, uh movie oh, right. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the curse the curse Sonic at the co- he's at the convention trying to get like signatures and everything. Hilarious. Um but yeah, the movie was fun. I en- I enjoyed the movie. I think Jim Carrey did great. Love Jim Carrey, so he was kind of the mm-hmm. highlight of that for sure. The reason why I asked about your history with the 2D Sonics is because yeah. Sonic Mania does kind of rely on a lot of that nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of get you through it, and I think you know, when it came to recommending this game for you, yeah, I had to be careful because I didn't want this to be another Super Mario RPG situation, <laughs> and I wanted to recommend you a game yeah. that was relatively new that I enjoyed, mm-hmm. but also was kind of rooted in that kind of like retro nostalgia bait right. sort of thing, and I was like, you know what? I don't like many Sonic games. Right. There's, uh, you know, I out of the original trilogy, the only one I enjoyed was Sonic 3. Mm-hmm. And 2D Sonic, like, don't even fucking talk to me about it. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I played Sonic Mania when it came out, which like 2018, I think you said, right? Yeah, uh, 17, 17. 2017. I was incredibly hesitant about mm-hmm. it um, but knowing that basically nobody from sega actually developed it and worked on it um yeah. i was like well i mean how bad can, how bad can how it bad be? can it be right like, <laughs> at least at least deserve to check this thing I mean, out the, if sega yeah. has no hand in this essentially the, the only thing Sega's good at is making yakuza games and that's about it bro they're um, pumping out those games like crazy i feel like they're all like on a yearly schedule at this point there's so many yakuza games that come out in like just the last three years there's no way I'm catching up at this point. I think the last I, one I, I thought about was it for five, a second, so. but the same thing. I was like, I can't, I can't. There's there's too much. Now. Yeah. Um, but, um, so, yeah, I was like, I I fucking loved Sonic Mania when I first played it. Yeah. And then after having played all of the original games for my show. I played it earlier this year mm. and I was like, am I st- Am I still going to like this? Like, was I a different person five <laughs> years ago? I don't know. Yeah. And I played it. I'm like, no, this does everything yeah. those original games didn't do. Mm-hmm. And call it whatever you want. Maybe it was career criminal. Yuji Naka was not an actual good game designer. Oh, Yuji Naka. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it was um, hardware limitations. Yeah. I, who knows? Uh, but whatever Christian Whitehead did was phenomenal work. And I, I just don't think they should be making Sonic games without that dude anymore. Yeah. And when it came to recommending you a game, I was like, I have genuine love for this game. Yeah. It is a Sonic game. So already it kind of puts a bad taste in bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. But I mean, I tell me, tell me what you thought. Tell me what you thought. Yeah. So, so, 
first for me, I, I did finish Sonic Mania. I, I rolled credits on Sonic okay. Mania. And I would 100% recommend this to people to play. I it, It's interesting. With my very limited experience with 2D Sonic games as a kid, I still have a lot of nostalgia for just Sonic in general. Like, I really love... I, 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 Okay, I was going to say I really love Sonic. I don't really love Sonic. <laughs> you be Sonic's careful fine. with those words. Yeah, I was like, let me, <laughs> let, me, let me pull back a little bit. I like Sonic. Sonic games are fine. I think they're okay. And, and I, I do have a nostalgia for him as a character in the 2D games. Enough so where, like, I felt it playing Sonic Mania. Like, it was mm. weird. I just, when I booted up Green Hill Zone for the first time and I heard that theme... It was like a rush of nostalgia. Like it felt like I was a kid again playing original Sonic sitting down on the floor of my apartment with my big ass game gear playing through Sonic the Hedgehog. Um and I had a and I had a great time. I mean, the, there's there's definitely some difficulty that happens in the latter half of this game yeah. that made me want to rip my hair out at times. But I also experienced that when I played through Sonic 2 as well. And that might just be the, the the name of the beast is some of these levels are just notoriously difficult. But, oh, man, I I truly loved playing Sonic Mania. Like, it was such a good time. I think as far as the difficulty goes, I believe the curve yeah. with Sonic Mania is, I would call it a lot more fair than the original Sonic. Yes, I, I will say that Sonic 2... And even the original, I haven't played the original in a while, but playing Sonic 2, it felt like it was like, oh, this is hard now. Like, this is just fucking difficult. Mm-hmm. It, it was definitely more gradual in this. And, and weirdly enough, too, where it was like sometime in the middle, I forgot what level it was, I'll have to look into it. But like, I definitely struggled with the the end level and boss. But... Oh, oh yeah, the I think the final stage is like the Monarch or something like that? or Yeah, the Titanic Monarch. Yeah, um, I, yeah that but, stage is brutal. It's absolutely yeah, brutal. Metallic Madness, I was on that forever. And then the Oil Ocean, that mm-hmm. one I was on for so long. Mm-hmm. Like, And then the, the Lava Level afterward felt like a piece of cake. But the Oil Ocean and then Metallic Madness afterward, those two levels I was just stuck on for so long. And... One thing I really love about this game is how it transitions from Act 1 to Act 2. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, It's just seamless. It's like you finish, you beat the boss in Act 1, and then immediately transitions to Act 2. And it's, it's clever ways like either Sonic going up an elevator or him continuously running through the level and the camera keeps panning. And now you're continuing through that world in Act 2. I thought how they, how they handled that transition was beautiful. But when I would die and get a game over and have to go all the way back to the beginning of Act 1, that was not fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, beats going back to the beginning of the game, though. That's like true. Those you original know, games. You know, that is very true. You're right. You're right. <laughs> the, the thing I liked about Sonic Mania 2 is that, uh, I mean, yeah, you talk about the transitions, and that's mm. something that they attempted to do with Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Oh, interesting. Was have kind of these very clean stage transitions and... yeah kind of build a little bit more of the story and put some more of the lore in there if you care about it. Just funny because mm. we're going from one franchise that has a ton of deep lore <laughs> to, and story to, to one that doesn't <laughs> really have anything. You don't have to care about it. Um but like so I, I love that Mania takes that idea and kind of runs mm. with it and obviously because of better hardware they can um it's easier to do that for sure. In right. This. Uh, but also, like with those stage transitions, 
And I don't know, again, I don't, it doesn't seem like you have too much familiar familiarity mm-hmm. with the um, original yeah. uh, trilogy, but a lot of those stages, a lot of those um, act one stages, mm-hmm. like you said, green hill zone, um, mm-hmm. chemical plant zone, um, yeah. the oil ocean. Those are all stages like ripped from the original games. And then as soon as you go into act two, those are wholly new stages, completely remixed. Oh, interesting. With new I, mechanics. I, I, I didn't know that. I, I really enjoyed some of the new things they, they threw into the mix here, like gameplay wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously I, I knew like Green Hill Zone and Chemical Plant both sounded familiar, but that was all my knowledge of like what is from OG Sonic and what isn't. But I had no idea that the act two was just completely new and fresh. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So like all of all of the Act One stages are ripped from a different Sonic stage. So the, are all of these like levels some form of OG Sonic level? Like all of them from like like you said, the Chemical Plant and and Oil Ocean and Metallic Madness. All those are like original Sonic levels. So there are three zones that I believe were brand new that Christian Whitehead okay. made, and I think it was a Studioopolis zone. Mm, okay. Press Garden Zone and Mirage Saloon Zone. Wow. Everything else is like some form of a different Sonic. That's game. really cool. Yeah. And um, and I just yeah, I just love how the second act completely remixes the zone, mm-hmm. and then adds like mechanics that just have never been in a Sonic game. Like when yeah. um, you play Act Two of Chemical Plant Zone, and there's like those like sticky platforms. That, yeah, like, move Sonic dude, around and so stuff like cool. that, and I was like, "This is like, this shouldn't fit in a Sonic game, but somehow it it does." It and works just so well, and just to speak to like w- when your experience with Sonic Two was like, oh, like all you really know is that you kind of have to go fast. Sonic is about speed, and mm. that's totally fair because as a kid, that's just yeah. how it was fed to us. Like Sonic is faster than Mario. Blast yeah. processing. The Genesis has uh, faster computing power. Like, look at all the stuff that this thing can do. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, that's not what Sonic is. Right. And yet, Christian Whitehead managed to, as far as the first acts go, pick the best acts that either suit those kind of mechanics, like yeah. the going fast, or has like some sort of balance while also with like remixing the other stages mm. also ha- brings like a-, a sort of balance to that as well. And yeah. just like the brilliant uh, level design that he has, because Sonic games usually have alternate paths. Uh, yeah. There's usually like yeah. a top path and a bottom path, but with Sonic mania, it-, it has that, but the punishment from going from one path to the next Mm. Uh, is not as severe as it was in those older games. Yeah, and that was something I noticed right away where I felt like I was always going the right way. Like, Mm -hmm. no matter where I went, no matter what direction, and then I would die and get a game over, right? Start the whole act over again, and then go through that level a completely different way than I did the first time. But it always felt like I was going, I was always being, like, drip-fed into that ending section 
Mm-hmm. And I was always going the right way because there'd be lots of times where I was like, this doesn't look familiar, but, and I would be going left instead of right. I was like, okay, something's, something must be wrong here. And it's like, no, you're always kind of being directed towards the, the correct direction. And that's really cool. And that's what I was going to touch on too. Maybe it's because I had the mentality of playing Sonic 2 and being like, okay, you don't always have to like go fast. That's not necessarily the the intent, but it did seem like a lot of these levels felt like I could, I could do that and not be punished for it, right? That was mm-hmm. the problem with Sonic 2 was I was like, if I'm holding the right stick going that way or if I'm doing the spin dash, I'm going to spin into an enemy and lose all my coins. And that happens occasionally in Sonic Mania, but there are so many times where like I'll hit a loop or in oh, I'm trying to think there's one where it's like it's one of what's one of the water levels, but it has these like twisting pipes that go up and down and like when you hit those, you'll go hydrosity so fast. Lone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hydrosity yeah, yeah, yeah. zone. And you like he'll he'll like run across across the water and everything if you're like going fast enough like it definitely felt like the speed was there which I didn't feel that in the original Sonic games that I remembered. And I think what Christian Whitehead did also that those original games didn't do is they mm. he telegraphs mechanics early so that yeah. if you are going fast and you're paying attention you are able to mm. uh you know kind of swerve an enemy or swerve them. Um, an object or something that you might otherwise run into. I don't remember what stage it was, but when I replayed the game back in January, that's something that I noticed where I was like, Mm. Oh, he telegraphed this pretty early on in the level. Like, yeah, you would have never seen this (laughs) in any of the other prior Sonic games, you know? And, um, it's something I definitely really appreciated. And yeah, I think you nailed, nailed it by saying that like, you, it feels like you're almost never stopping. The game never really comes to a dead oh, yeah. stop you're like always... those original games did. And that and that's something that I had to like f- learn too. And maybe it's like it muscle memory from people that have played 2D Sonics, but whether you're on like one of like the boost pad things, or you're caught by the little hand and it like when you when you're going a fast momentum and you're going through loops and everything like that, like my brain was like follow the direction of Sonic with my analog stick. And a lot of times I could just let that go and he'll go. Mm-hmm. Like for the most part, me trying to control him when he was going fast was was sometimes a hindrance because I would stop or I would like pause and everything like that. I'd have to spin dash to get back in that momentum where if I just like let go of the analog stick and just let him run in those sequences, he would go fast all on his own. I was like, oh, that's perfect. That's something I had to learn because in the beginning, I was definitely trying to control all of it, which was not working out for me. Yeah, it's one of those playing Celeste right now. It's one of those things where you just have to kind of trust your fingers more or less or just kind of trust the pace right. of the game where it's like, don't think too much about it. Just keep going. And I think this game really, really shines when you're just, all right, let me just go. Let's see what happens. And usually you're, you're more or less going to be rewarded for it. Yeah. And in some cases, you can even find secrets and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which uh, also lead to the bonus stages. So I don't, yeah. how, what'd you think about the bonus stages? The bonus stages were interesting. I was really bad at them. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I, I know that that's how you, there's one, that's how you collect the chaos emeralds is going through and, and doing the bonus stages. And then there's one where you have to, you're on like a, a grid plane and you're, yeah. you're doing all the little blue circles and everything. And if you get them all, they turn the coins. And then there's the one where you're chasing down like, the balloon and you're grabbing the blue orbs to continue or to increase sonic speed and the coins are your timer 
And I didn't get that right away. So there was lots of the early levels where I was just like dying or running at a time and not realizing that I had to gather coins to continue that time. And I was mm-hmm. just, I thought I just had to grab the blue things because that's when I was doing the the grid one, it was grab the blue thing. So that's all I was doing. And it wasn't until much later stages that I was realizing what was happening. Um, but I, I mean, I maybe got like three or four Chaos Emeralds in, okay. in doing all that's those fair. stages. That's pretty good. I've actually never got all the chaos emeralds and sonic mania so oh okay interesting i i don't think i've gotten much more than you maybe maybe about the same maybe five i'm not sure yeah yeah playing through it because i started because i played the whole thing thing as sonic and tails but i never grasped the tails mechanic i knew that tails you could like sonic can jump and hover with tails and I did that a couple times, but I never could replicate it success. I never knew how to do it. It was never intentional on my end. But I was playing with both Sonic and Tails for the majority of the time, or actually all the time. And then I went back and started over a playthrough as Knuckles and playing through it that way. Um, are those levels different if you're playing through as Knuckles or you're playing through as Sonic? Because it felt like Green Hill Zone Act 1 was like layout-wise a little different when I was playing through it as Knuckles. That's a good question. I'm not exactly sure. It could just be mm. one of the situations because Knuckles is able to climb walls. Right. And right. he can glide. So yeah. it could be one of those situations where you are just running into more stage that you weren't able to see with Sonic. It's right. very much the case in Sonic 3 and Knuckles mm-hmm. um, or even Sonic 2. Because um, when you took the um, Sonic and Knuckles cartridge and put Sonic 2 in it, there are places in Sonic 2 that you couldn't reach with Sonic. Um, interesting that you could with knuckles you could with knuckles yeah yeah so uh that could very well be the case the thing is i'm not a huge knuckles fan so Mm. i don't very much play with knuckles at all i'm usually just i just play with sonic most of the time yeah his mechanics took a little bit to get used to because I mean, I, this game definitely feels like you can go fast with Sonic. And I think Knuckles' climbing is really cool. I think his gliding is really cool. But when he hits the ground, it's it's a dead stop. So when you're flying, it's not like that momentum kind of keeps going. When he hits the ground, he just stops immediately and you can keep going. I mean, Knuckles does have a spin dash, but it felt like my momentum was immediately stopped once I hit the ground with with Knuckles, which I was like, eh, that, does, that doesn't feel great. It's not, it's not a great feeling after playing through the six hours of playing that game with as sonic the entire time yeah i wonder if it's something to do with maybe he wanted to make the characters be their own thing so maybe knuckles is a heavier character Mm -mm. which it then it also doesn't make sense that he can glide so maybe that's not the case yeah because there's another character too ray who's a flying squirrel Mm -hmm. who can also glide and ray is incredibly hard to control i have never been able to get and is, Ray's mechanics is Ray down. one of the... Because I know there's a, the DLC characters. Is he one of those or is he like a secret character or something? Ray is part of the DLC, if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think maybe he was trying to give the characters some sort of different attributes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. Again, I, I don't play with Knuckles very often, so... Yeah. That's that's something I can't really. Yeah. Talk I was to like, about. I, I mean, I didn't really have like. I think Knuckles is a cool character, but I was like, you know, let me just try it out. I beat the game. Let me jump back to it and see how Knuckles plays. And I was like, it, and I think it's exactly how you were saying that because Knuckles can wall climb and glide. I was just like accessing different parts that I wasn't as Sonic. 
So that could be it. Because like I said, we were talking about in the beginning, it always kind of feels like you're going the right way. Yeah. Even though there's like, there's like, like I said, there's up, down, middle, all over the place kind of directions you can go, but it all still will feed you into the right direction, which mm-hmm. I think is, is still super cool. And I'll say I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the emerald stages, the bonus stages mm-hmm. where you have to chase down yeah. the balloon and grab the emerald. Those are just a little too like Sonic is just way too slippery in those stages. It, oh, it's my kind gosh, of yes. weird. Yeah, now, it, it does have some weird mechanics to it. And I don't really enjoy it. Like it just yeah. it feels like a different Sonic that it's that it is that you're playing in the yeah. actual game. So I, I imagine that the older games also have the bonus levels where you can get the Chaos Emeralds as well. Is it the same thing where you just like turn into supersonic and is that like an end thing or is that something you do throughout the entirety of the level? Yeah, so the first, well, so the the balloon minigame yeah. is from, I might get this wrong, I think it's from Sonic CD, mm. if I remember right. And the other stage, the um, 3D orb stage whatever you want to call it uh (laughs) that was introduced in sonic 3 which i'm a sickle for i fucking love those bonus stages i love how many there are in sonic mania i i loved them too but i always got way too invested where when i accidentally run into a red orb it pissed me off and then i couldn't go (laughs) back into it i was like fuck i just i was doing so well and then i hit that damn red orb yeah, when I went back to because I forgot that they were in Sonic Three, so I went when I played that game for my episode. I was like, "Hell yeah, hell yeah!" Just give me more of this. <laughs> I'm like, back. I fucking love this. Just give this. me a whole game of orb collecting, and that's <laughs> all I that's all I need. And I'm kind of disappointed that like in Sonic Mania, they're not there for you to collect emeralds because in Sonic Three, that's how you collect the emeralds is completing those stages. Oh, interesting. Um, so I it's th- only through the balloon when you get chaos emeralds. Then, yep. Yeah, and okay. it, yeah, the chaos emeralds and the bonus stages kind of work in the same same way as those older mm-hmm. games. Um, I I think in Sonic One, you just collect chaos emeralds for like a different ending. Like nothing actually really happens. Oh, okay, they're, they're not really that useful or serve a purpose. Yeah. Uh, Sonic Two is when Super Sonic is introduced, and through collecting the seven emeralds, you get Super mm-hmm. Sonic, and that's kind of when that starts. Yeah, um, and it very much is the same thing here in Sonic Mania. Yeah. So I, I definitely wasn't playing this game for its plot, but there <laughs> is there, <laughs> there is like an, a narrative to this, right? This takes place after Sonic 3 and Knuckles. And is there like like time travel? Is that what's happening? As far as the Sonic timeline goes, you were talking to the wrong person. So okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know when this game takes place. I feel like it's like, I don't know if it's considered canon or not. Um, that's not a question oh, wait, 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 for there's, me. There's a plot here. Oh, yeah. But, after the events of Sonic 3 and Knuckles, Sonic entails to take a power energy reading on Angel Island. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, basically, this uh, Robotnik is up to no good. Yep. He's after not emeralds this time, but this uh, some sort of stone that can basically create portals and, um, I guess, disrupt time the timeline or something like that and that's why interesting you are able to revisit all of these levels throughout the history of the sonic games so well even here it says sonic and his allies discovered that eggman has used the phantom ruby's power to retake control of little planet from sonic cd 
So Yo, I, I haven't realize, played Sonic CD. I didn't since realize I, this lore went so deep. Yeah, no, I haven't played Sonic CD since it came out. So that's an upcoming episode. But um, yeah, as far as that, like, I don't know what the Phantom Ruby is. I just, I don't know. And I know some of the characters, like some of the uh-huh. bosses in this game, are made just for this game. I don't remember what they call them. I think they're called the Beatniks, if I'm, like if the... I remember correctly. But um. Egg Robos? Maybe that's it. I thought Eggman were... sends an elite group of... Oh, they're just called Egg... Elite group of Egg Robos. I thought they were called the Beatniks. I don't know. Maybe that's a different Sonic game. I'm not sure. Interesting. But yeah, I mean... I don't know. Does anybody care about the plot of Sonic? I guess somebody no, I, does. I, I, you're right. I did not go into this being like, what lore is going to happen today? I was like, I'm I'm just here to play a Sonic game. And it was like the first level where like Eggman pulls out the weird thing and then we're like floating through space. And then I'm in Green Hill Zone. And I was like, I guess that's time travel. That kind of looks kind of looks like time travel. Yeah. And, you know, I as far as the games that I really enjoy go, not to say that I don't enjoy a good story, right? Like we were talking about right. Celeste earlier. Right, right. Um, I talked about, I mentioned The Last of Us. I love The Last of Us. I do enjoy a good story in a video game, but most of the time I just like a good video game ass video game. And this yeah. is, that's just kind of what Sonic Mania yeah. is. It's a oh. gameplay for, or, or even like Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Like, Hmm. Who gives a shit about the story of any Mario game? <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. And it's one of those things where like, I, I was not going into this game with any kind of story. And even when Sonic has tried to do like story, it's been weird. Like Sonic 06, he like kisses that human oh, chick yeah. and things hot. like that. It gets hot and bothered. And it's like, what's happening? <laughs> what's going on right now? But the one thing too that I loved is this game looks beautiful. Like yeah, I, I, I play this on a Switch OLED, and those colors pop <laughs> so much. The one level uh, specifically I loved was the Mirage Saloon. Hell yeah! Like that desert yeah. level has so much. Like it's, I mean, it's obviously just a desert, but like the greens and the little pops of reds and everything like that. Like that was such a fun level to go through. And there's like sections at that when you're being shot out of like a gun, like a big old hand with a gun and everything like that. And I was like, this is cool. This is rad. And that weird like caterpillar boss at the beginning of the stage. What? Oh, I struggled with that. I could not get perspective right. I didn't know if he was in front of me or behind me, and I could never get like the the perspective on that. Yeah, that one is a little bit funky now that I think about it. But I mean, it's still the entire presentation is really cool. And plus, oh, like, oh, no, it's it's awesome. The cutscene at the beginning of the game and the cutscene oh, at the end of the game so, is just so, so fucking gorgeous. I love yeah. it. I love like the the hand drawn animated cutscene. So cool. <clears throat> and one thing that I complained about. Um, when it comes to Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles mm. is Sonic Sprite. I don't like mm. tall, lanky Sonic. And I feel Pimbles, like... Chibi Sonic. Yeah, I enjoyed that for this game. They kind of like... He's not exactly chibi, but mm. like he's not like the weird, awkward, tall Sonic either. Like there's like kind of yeah. like a happy medium there mm-hmm. um, where it's like, just a little bit of that original Sonic look, but with, but also kind of like a little bit of the newer Sonic. Um, Interesting. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad they didn't go all the way uh, with either one of those right. um, original designs. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, did you play or do you intend on playing? Um, oh God. 
uh, superstars at all? Absolutely not. No, thank you. <laughs> I guess my, I was looking at it because after playing this, and I was like, I mean, I I enjoyed Sonic Mania, and I was like, I wonder if Superstars is like any better. Or I didn't good. play Sonic. Um, what was that? What was the last 3D Sonic that came out? Oh, Forces. Was it Forces? Oh I no no it was no! Like no. It Sonic was um Origins or was oh no it was the what this like the, the open world one where you're beating big old robots yeah yeah a Sonic Legacy of Goku Son- <laughs> <laughs> well they, they did that murder mystery Sonic game too I don't know if you ever played that one oh I wanted to play that yeah any opportunity I can murder Sonic that's I'm get I'm frontiers. taking frontiers Sonic frontiers yes frontiers yes. there we go no I didn't get that I. Reviews for that were very middling, and I know Sonic Superstars isn't. Yeah, but Superstars is 2D, so like it can't go wrong, right? Yeah, but there's also been really bad 2D Sonics, Jared. <laughs> yeah. it, the franchise started on a bad foot <laughs> yeah. back in 1991. Oh, this one's multiplayer too. I forgot. It's like four player co op. On oh, this uh, Sonic Mania is multiplayer as well. You can play co op. So like, if you have somebody. Oh, I didn't know that. So like, my five year old enjoy sonic and yeah so when he saw me playing this he, he was like oh yeah i want to play too and i'm like all right the only thing is that you know he doesn't understand how to jump over things so it's uh, like it's as soon as we got to any part where he needed things. to jump it was over so oh actually you know what i do i did play um generations a little bit because there's some like 2d aspects to generations okay. i do remember enjoying generations and I know that was kind of like a love letter to some of the right. other games in the franchise as well. Mm. Yeah, I've heard good things about Generations. I've heard good things about Colors as well. Oh, yeah. So many played Colors. I heard Colors is really good. But other, like, I don't know. Every time I think about playing a Sonic game, I'm like, I, I really have to be in the mood to do it. Yeah. And that's what Sonic Mania was like. Right. I think if I ever go back to play another Sonic game, it's always going to be Sonic Mania. Unless well, I'm like, and, surprised by any of the other older games that I have to right. replay. Well, it's like you were saying with Super Mario Wonder, like Mania was this perfect like pick up and play for a little bit and put down mm-hmm. kind of game, right? I would pick up and you know try my hand at a, at a stage and act and try to get through it. Whether I beat it or not, it was a good like pick up play for 30 or 45 minutes and put down. And the mm-hmm. game, again, isn't long. It's like five hours or so to beat. I think I ended up putting like six or so in. Um, so it's not long, and it doesn't like ask a lot from you either. Like it's not, I mean, there is aspects of it that that start to get hard, but it, it, at least in its concepts, it's relatively straightforward. And that's great for just sitting down, picking up and playing for a little bit. Oh, one thing I did want to go back to real quick, because we talked about that Caterpillar boss. What did you think about yeah. the other bosses? You know, what's funny is I have all the bosses pulled up and I was just about to to, to go into that. So um, Mirage Saloon boss, I was frustrated because of the perspective. But like you said, the spectacle of it, I loved seeing him swim in the background and then jump into the foreground and then swim back into the desert. And you're flying on the, the plane the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, I love I liked probably most of the bosses. Some of them I I did not enjoy just because they were difficult and others were just, you know, relatively straightforward. The one that's pretty much just like Dr. Mario, I I was like that was that was a oh, shock. Oh yeah, that was, man. that was so weird. <laughs> Which is such it was um 
it was a nod to the um uh, what is Didn't it called? Didn't Eggman have it like a like a Dr. Mario uh, style game Dr. or something? Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. Ah, yes. Yeah. It was just so, ba- so, it's basically just uh Puyo Puyo. Right, yeah. Which I, which I love. So that that one was really fun. Um the other one I really enjoyed, oh, where was it? Um I actually really liked the Metal Sonic levels. Where you're oh, running through yeah. this age and having to mm-hmm. dodge him, and then the second half of that, you're fighting like this giant beefed up Metal Sonic. That was really fun. I actually really enjoyed that, and like it's, again, just the spectacle of it too. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he would like come around a little more, but he ended up not showing up at all, at least in what I had played. Yeah, it's the one thing, and I think most people would agree with me on this um, yeah. about those original games is that the the bosses were not really the best thing it's more or less just you know dr robotnik shows up you jump on him like three or four times and well that's what i was gonna ask is if it's just that because like yeah you do that on some of these but some of like the mechanics of these boss fights are so different like the one that stood out to me that i didn't enjoy but it was very different was the um the, the hydrocity or hydro city act one zone where Robotnik is swimming underwater and you're in this big machine. You have to suck up the water and hit mm-hmm. him with your blades, but he's also putting like mines in the water where if you suck up the mine, it hits you. So you have to try to like do the right timing of sucking up the water and not the mine and Robotnik. That one specifically was frustrating because it took me so long to do, but it was really cool that it was, it felt really inventive compared to the other boss that I had fought where it's just like, <laughs> jump on Eggman head and beat him. It's funny because so I actually didn't mind that boss fight because Mm -hmm. it is a twist on what that boss fight originally was in Sonic 3. Oh, interesting. I love hearing about the the older games. Yeah, where Dr. Robotnik was the one sucking up the mines and trying to drop them on you while you're trying to hit him. So it's tables have turned, so to speak. Terms have um, tabled, but I yeah I can understand like some of the mechanics of some of the boss fights are wonky. The other one that I think is particularly rough is the one where you're uh, fighting one of the egg robos and he's like mm-hmm. on a motorcycle or something or he's on a car. Yes, uh, yes. That one is incredibly was, frustrating. Where that I was one like, was frustrating because he it was it was so hard to like hit the hitbox of him and not the bike yep i feel like i bounced off and got hit by the bike more often than not than hitting him yeah 100 percent. and the other one that i didn't really like is like one of the it's one of the final stages one of the final bosses where dr Mm -hmm. robotnik is like in this weird like it kind of looks like a mech suit and he's kind of like bouncing around the stage like he's got like these four arms and stuff and That's, that's the final boss is it? Okay. I thought it was, mm. I couldn't remember if it was the final boss or like the one prior to that, but either yeah. way, uh, that one took me a little bit to figure out. That um, one that took me a while just because he takes up so much real estate on that, in that map and his arms have electricity going through them when he does use them. So mm-hmm. like the, the, the section and opportunity when he's vulnerable is also when he's pumping electricity through those arms so you can't get hit by those and obviously when you bounce on him you're going to bounce off into a different direction so most of the time it was me and my one very hard working ring where i would jump and get hit and then (laughs) drastically run towards my one ring so i could at least survive another hit and that was most of the time with that last boss fight 
yeah, I I do enjoy the fact that this game really switches up the mechanics of the bosses. It's not yeah. always the same thing. You know, there's a lot of, uh, or there's not a lot, but there's a couple of boss fights where, you know, you're constantly moving. Like you mentioned the metal Sonic mm-hmm. fight. Uh, yeah. There's another one where you're like running from a, a helicopter and they're shooting missiles at you and stuff. Yeah. And uh, there's another one where like metal Sonic is like in this little, um, like this little factory and he's shooting these other little Sonics at you. Little little Sonics at you. Yeah, (laughs) that one was cool. The other one that I liked was act two of the hydrosity one where that one was interesting because you're, you're being sucked through underwater and Eggman's in like this little sub with a propeller and you're having to hit these bombs and avoid the spikes that are flying towards you to hit him. But in order to, obviously, there's still breathing mechanics in that too. So you have to hit him with the bombs and in doing so, it gives you an air bubble. So that one, again, really frustrating because it took me a while to do, but I appreciated the mechanics of having to figure out like, I can't just avoid. I always have to be hitting him because if I don't hit him, I don't breathe and then I die, which (laughs) which happened a lot. (laughs) So I have to know. Yeah. Because... My favorite aspect, even at the worst Sonic game, mm-hmm. the best aspect of the worst Sonic games can be the soundtrack. I have to know what you think about the soundtrack of this game. The music was so good. I have, I have, I have since added Sonic Mania tracks to like Spotify playlists, <laughs> and I've listened to them because, like, I mean, I, the, I, I enjoyed the original like like chip tune Sonic music as well too. Like, I thought it sounded good, but like some mm. of the tracks in here are just so good. Like, I love the music in here. We talked about Hydrosity that has a really cool soundtrack. I love the um, the desert, the Mirage Saloon. I think that has a really cool soundtrack mm. to it as well. Music is so good. I I love the music. Yeah, that's what really hits my nostalgia bone. Like, yeah, as soon as like when I first played the game back in 2017, you know, of course, uh, they have a Green Hill Zone or whatever, and I'm like, right, oh yeah, you got to have the hits, right? Like, right, right. Uh, not knowing exactly what was going on in the game, but I was like, of course, yeah. Green Hill Zone. Like, every Sonic gonna, game has some right. form of that. And then when Chemical Plant Zone came up. And then that music started playing and I was just like, ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> give me that, give me that. And then when the remixes of those songs come on in Act yeah. 2 and it's just like, those songs are just as good, if not better. Uh, it's, it, oh, yeah, it's so fucking good. Like, you know, for my Game of the Year episode, I always pick like best soundtrack. Yeah. And right now I'm kind of going through that process and I'm like looking at Sonic Mania and I'm like, I... I don't know why I should listen to any other soundtrack because I feel like it's cheating. Like this is gonna win. Yeah, it's just gonna like, all be Sonic Sonic yeah. soundtrack. No, <laughs> I, I I'm the same way. Like that the chip tune music just like gets me. It just hits me and the nostalgia bone between that. I played a lot of like another console I played a ton of was just GBA, and I feel like GBA had a ton of those little like chip tuny sounds to it as well. Oh, they're so good. Well, so much e- fun. It's not even chip tune exactly because like if yeah. you listen to the original compositions on, mm. on the Genesis. Like those songs are very good. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Those songs are very good. The sound chip in the Genesis is absolute garbage though. <laughs> and when you listen to the newer versions of those songs, it's like, yeah, this sounds in my opinion. I know a lot of people have mm. nostalgia and really love the Genesis sound chip. I don't, 
so these newer songs to me sound like, oh yeah, this is exactly what perhaps they were going for back in 1991. Uh, right. Because this sounds, this sounds like it's being made with like real instruments instead of, yeah. Like instead you said, chip, little chip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you know if, um, Christian Whitehead had any hand in doing any of the music or anything like that? That I don't know that, yeah. that I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's like a Toby Fox type of, you know, mm. legendary developer or anything like that, like does everything. <laughs> I assume because, again, um, he worked with Cannonhead Studios as well. So, yeah, I'm sure they probably had somebody on staff that could do music. Mm-hmm. I hate to bring up Eric on your show again. No, we love Eric. Let's just talk about Eric. <laughs> Eric uses um a Sonic Mania song in. Um, oh, uh... as his intro. For his podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't um, it was. But he it's said, not "What's like, his name?" Made it. He's I, kind of like I, a f- famous dude, like a famous video game composer. But his yeah, name isn't I what had, you said it was, unless it's like that's his government name. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I I know the like. Oh man, that's I, I don't cool think it's me. this person, but it's like a like a like an entity. Like I follow, I think I follow them on social media too. They make a bunch of cool. It's not music. DJ Cutman. Uh, oh, I thought he would have it in his show notes, but he doesn't give the person credit. Bastard. Dang. Calling you out, Eric. I'm just going to Spotify. <laughs> Hyper Potions. Hyper Potions. There you go. You did it. Took me long enough. <laughs> Hyper Potions. Yes. Well, they, they have other things. They have like a bunch of video game kind of music. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. There's another YouTuber I watch. Um, Game Boy Luke and he his intro is from Hyper Potions as well. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I know. I know they're very um, they're very accommodating when it comes to people using mm. their music. I know they're a duo. It one of them got in trouble or allegedly yeah, re- got. In I trouble. do remember there was a, this, some conversation of one of them being in hot water because I think I remember Eric bringing it up on his his show because he yeah. was obviously using the, their music as well. So. So whoever, I mean, whichever one it was, um, <laughs> you did a good job. <laughs> you did a good job. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Keith, is, was there any other questions about Sonic Mania that you're curious, things, opinions that I had on this game before I give my final thought here? I'm trying to come up with the meanest question about Sonic that I can think of. Oh, perfect. I, I've, I've fed you enough, enough weird-ass questions throughout the years. Now is your time. Now is your time to shine. Yeah, no, it would just be me being a jerk. But uh, yeah, you can give your final <laughs> thoughts, man. Go ahead. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll cause I put a little um, blurb <clears throat> about Sonic Mania in my Discord for my, my quick review, and I'll use that as just what my thoughts are. So Sonic Mania is a thrilling and nostalgia inducing celebration of, of this 2d platformer, even with someone like me that has just kind of dabbled a little bit into to Sonic, I can feel the love while playing through this game. It is a modern day love letter to Sonic and it flawlessly captures just the essence of the original games while creating new things like new tracks and new mechanics and everything. I didn't even know that the whole act two was just like completely new levels. That stuff is super cool. So 
if you like platformers, if you relatively like Sonic, you should play Sonic Mania. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Again, I didn't want to run into another Super Mario RPG <laughs> situation. Where... Well, and Keith, you know what's funny? As, as you know, marketing for the remake is is floating about, you know, maybe maybe it's... Uh, um, Jared, like, Beth, and Kai are sitting there like, maybe we were wrong. <laughs> no, I was like, do we do like a, like a redux of like, uh, we play through the, like the modern... Like, no lie. I look at it and I'm like, it's, there's almost a little like nostalgia watching it just because of like us covering it for the podcast and i was mm-hmm. like you know what i might play it through that i might play it through the the remake of it. i'm cu- i'm really curious of of what they change mm-hmm. throughout the game that's what i'm i'm genuinely curious of you know if if this makes you feel better i actually mm-hmm. replayed through the original game a couple uh-huh. months ago and i was like oh this is kind of boring <laughs> oh shit they were right <laughs> 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 I still I still enjoyed it. I I don't think yeah. it had I don't think it it has its flaws, but I don't think they're anything that makes the game uh incredibly terrible or anything like that. Um See, but and, I was like this is in a sea of RPGs, this is incredibly average. And and maybe that's why I'm excited for the remake cuz I think my problems with that game would be fixed with like a modern lens or like sure. modern kind of mechanics cuz mm-hmm. I didn't have any problems with like story or narrative like those things are are fine you know it wasn't it wasn't crazy by any means but i think that that's why i'm so excited about the or at least interested in the remake because i'm so curious of what quality of life things they have added to this Mm -hmm. to make it accessible to like a modern audience like i just there's no there's going to be a 10 year old out there playing super mario rpg for the first time and that's interesting in like mm -hmm. 2023 of how they're going to like accommodate for that yeah for sure yeah, I yeah, I just wanted to clear the air and get there. Like, <laughs> I just played it. And I, you know what, you guys Been had weighing some points. on your shoulders for <laughs> years, even. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think we get more hate for our Chrono Trigger take now more than anything. I think Super Mario RPG has kind of been it's been overshadowed by the Chrono Trigger. Uh, you know what that came out of our show. <laughs> I like Chrono Trigger. Uh, I also didn't play that until like 2018. And yeah. you know, what I'm going to say it's a little overrated, a little overrated. You heard it here first guys from the man himself, the retro gaming, the number one the retro, retro gaming podcast, the number podcast. one retro gaming podcast out here. That's going to be my, <laughs> that's going to be my Kotaku article. that I'm going to send them number one retro gamer says Chrono Trigger is mid overrated. question mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Don't don't come at me with that Chrono Trigger Riz. It's not gonna. I'm not gonna fall no, for it. No, no Chrono Trigger Riz is going to bypass these eyes and ears. Uh, I, that's another game that I could like if they remade it. Maybe. Yeah, it's I think weird, it's weird. that game is like only like 17, 18 hours. When I looked, up how long to beat? I feel like I played the game for an eternity. <laughs> the game felt <laughs> so long. Yeah. Same. Same. It's yeah. weird that they remade Chrono Cross and not Chrono Trigger. Yeah, interesting. Like they remade and those the... have those have nothing to do with each other, right? Just in the name, Chrono Cross has no association uh, the... with Trigger. I think there's like some characters that show up, but mm. like Chrono doesn't show up or anything like that. Right, right. You know? He's not so... the main. I know that he's like not the main character of right. that. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I think there's some like ancillary characters that end up in that game that make an appearance, but they don't play a huge role. Interesting. 
Well, I mean, in, in this in this modern day of getting everything fucking remade, who knows? Maybe it will. I'm this the Paper Mario Thousand Year Door is. I'm my body is so ready for that. <laughs> That's my Chrono Trigger. It may not be good, but okay. fucking, I will die on that hill. That Thousand Year Door is amazing. I that's a game that I have not played since it came out. So I'm, I can't well, you know, speak I on also, that. I also haven't played it since it, <laughs> since it came out either. Uh-oh. I remember I, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I remember I tried to, um, I, I tried to pirate it. I tried to download it like years and years ago. This was a long time ago. And I think that's when there were still versions of like, like anti-piracy versions of it, where at a certain point it would just freeze. And you Did you download it off point. of LimeWire? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was something like that. Okay, well, that's a that's we can put a nice little bow on this episode. Keith, thank you so much for coming on. I had an absolutely fantastic time talking about these two games, and thanks for recommending me Sonic Mania. I had a great time. Yeah, Jared, thanks, thanks for having me on, man. I look again. I was really looking forward to this conversation, and although I didn't get on well with Halo, I do appreciate actually finally diving into my first real Halo game. If anything, at least I can say I did it. That's that's, That's been true. a running theme for me this year is playing games that playing games and genres that I have just kind of been uncomfortable with. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to, I finally experienced my first Halo game. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, he did it. He did. And he played Halo Reach. Well, the floor is yours. You can shill away. Talk about your podcast episodes that are coming out. Patreons roll out the red carpet. Floor is yours, buddy. Uh, I will say that. Um, I did already kind of talk about the podcast at the top of the show, uh, but if you are interested in any episodes in particular, maybe you want to check out the Legend of Zelda colon Link's Awakening. Yeah, there you go. With then. my pretty boy Jared here, along with uh, Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, Ben's also very pretty. He is, uh, he's the bearded daddy. And, Kai, uh, I mean, he's the bearded daddy. <laughs> Kai decided not to show up for that episode. He, he did not want to play a Zelda game, which, you know... Yeah, sure. I mean, if you're going to play a Zelda game, you might want to play a good one like Link's Awakening. Um, I love Link's Awakening so good. Yeah, so you can go listen to that. I think we probably talked about that for almost three hours or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> length a, yeah, of the game. <laughs> if you enjoyed our conversations here, you, you'll you'll enjoy that. You'll enjoy that. And you know what? The the episode that we did with Keith on the Super Mario Brothers movie will be coming to like the normal feed at some point. So you guys can listen to that because... Jesus, that was such a wild ride to watch that movie, and we had such a fun time. The chat is as much of a fever dream as that movie is. Je- yeah, Jesus, it, it really was. <laughs> okay, that is all we have for this month's episode of Get Wrecked. We will see you all next time. Peace out. We love you. Deuces. <laughs>